the Word. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. to say happy Mother's Day. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Mothers are looking extremely, extremely, extremely wonderful today. <laughs> I'm not taking away from any other Sunday, but today y'all are looking wonderful. Amen. <laughs> Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you for all that you have done. We just want to glorify you. We want to give you the praise and we want to give you the honor. We pray, Father God, that you will just speak through us, speak to us, speak through me. Let your words touch each and every person that's listening, whether here presently or through our media platforms. We pray that lives will be impacted, hearts will be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And also, I want to give a huge, 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 huge round of applause to Tania and Abigail. They did an excellent, excellent, excellent job. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm blown away. Got to get them on the stage more and more and more. <laughs> Without further ado, uh, last week we began uh, this message called, Why Christ? It was an attempt to explain the graciousness of Yahweh in the person and work of Christ, offering us something that no other religion or religious figure was able to offer, which is eternal life. And, and the reason why we know that Christ offers eternal life is because John, un unlike other gospel writers, emphasizes the eternality of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the early church fathers by the name of Athanasius, who happens to be an African man. <laughs> yes, we go way back. He wrote this, he says, it is then proper for us to begin the treatment of this subject by speaking of the creation of the universe 
and of God its artificer. That is, so it may be duly perceived that the renewal of creation has been the work of the same self-word that made it in the beginning. In other words, God created the universe through the word, through the logos, and therefore, when it comes to the recreation, that is the restoration, it only makes sense that the word and the logos is the agent to make that happen. Amen? So Jesus Christ is eternal, and he gives life, and there is no life of, uh, of God outside of him. We talked about how the word and uh, about the word and whom there is life has overcome the power of sin and death that seeks to utterly destroy, but he gives us eternal life. It is written in Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. It says that he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We're talking about Jesus Christ. Let us continue by looking at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 13, and you can give it to me in the Amplified. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, in the Amplified. I'm going against my typical protocol. I know. <laughs> Verse 12, is, it says... But to as many as did receive him and welcome him, he gave the right, that is the authority, the power, privilege to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in him, that is to adhere, to trust in, rely on his name. Verse 13, who were born not of blood, that is natural conception, nor of the will of the flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of man, that of a natural father, but of God, that is a divine, supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. So why Christ? Because only in Jesus Christ can we receive the adoption of sonship. What does that mean to be sons of God? Well, to answer this question, we must first discuss what does it mean when we say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's define son. The word son comes from the Hebrew word ben, like Uncle Ben's minute rice. For all y'all that like to eat rice, think of Uncle Ben when you think of son. <laughs> Ben is derived from another Hebrew word or verb called banah, B-A-N-A-H. And banah is a verb that means to build or to continue. So in the Hebrew application, a son is the one who builds or continues the father's family or house or business all things concerning the father, it is responsibility of the son to continue that. There is also what you would call the firstborn son, which in the ancient Near East, which was typically the region in which the Jews lived at that time, 
the firstborn son was, the, was basically the one who would inherit the father's position as the head of the family. Um, the rights of the firstborn son, basically the firstborn son inherited basically a double inheritance. Unlike all the other sons that the father may have, the firstborn son was the most important son. This was the son, this was the go-to son. And it didn't really matter as far as which, uh, as far as like who was born first as far as sonship was in the family. If someone was designated the firstborn son, that was it, whether they was born the first, the second, or last. Think about it like in the case of Joseph. Joseph was the 11th child of Jacob. Joseph, however, was considered the firstborn son. How do we know that? Because Joseph received a double inheritance from his father Jacob in when, his, when Jacob blessed Ephraim and Manasseh, who were who Joseph's two sons. How about in the case of... Uh, Jacob himself. <laughs> he, you know, Jacob was the second-born son of Isaac. There was Esau. There was Esau and Jacob, both sons born to Isaac. Isaac, I'm sorry, Esau was the older son. Jacob was the younger son. However, the first-born son privilege went to Jacob, not. Esau, which was a very big deal to the point that Esau wanted to kill Jacob. That's how serious it was. So you have sonship and you also have what you call firstborn son. There's one thing about these apples, they shut off on you. That's why I like androids. This <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that out of the way. So what is sonship? Sonship speaks to one, the identity and relationship to the father. Sonship also speaks to two, the inheritance that is received. Three, sonship speaks to the purpose and the mission of, that per of the one who is from the Father. Now, why do I mention all this? Because the phrase sons of God is used various times throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament. For instance, kings, the ones, the sons of David, were considered sons of God. Also, the nation of Israel was considered a son of God because it was God's chosen people. Heavenly beings, in Genesis chapter 6, Job chapter 1, verse 6, sons of God were considered the heavenly beings. In other words, it was primarily applied to groups who were called to be God's representatives or administrators. However, in the case of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, son of God, has a higher application and meaning. In John chapter 1, verse 14, and you can give it to me, this one in the NASB, John chapter 1, verse 14. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it relates to our sonship. 
John chapter 1, verses 14. And as be it reads, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, from the Father, full of grace and truth. That phrase, only begotten, in the actual Greek, it comes from a compound word that, has, that, that comes together to imply only kind or one of a kind or unique. The word there is monogenes, mono only, like monophone, genes, family, class, uh, race. What is it saying? When you talk about genes, you're talking about a, a species classification. Where are my science people at? Science is not my favorite subject, but for some reason, having to study the Bible makes me learn a lot about science. Species classification, Ganesh. So in other words, when it comes to Jesus, he is the only kind. He is the, only, he's the one of a kind son. There is only, he, he came into the human race, and when we see Jesus, we are seeing, we are seeing basically the one who comes from the Father, who is of the same substance as the Father, who has the same nature as the Father. He is, the Father's eternal, so he's eternal. The only difference is that we got a chance to see Jesus, even though we've never seen the Father. Are y'all with me? So we have Jesus, the only, the only one of a kind son of God. He is the unique son. He's the only one who has the rights or the authority to exercise sonship in the way that we are about to see. In verse 16 and 17 of John chapter 1. We talked about last week that the writer is John, Yochanan. His name means Yahweh is gracious. And, and this is what he says concerning uh, the Son. He says, for if his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. And I thought it was kind of an odd placement, you know, because in verse 18, John goes on to say, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained, he has explained, explained him. It, it's weird. Why would you talk about Moses in the context of speaking of the identity of Christ? Why would you talk about Moses giving the law and Jesus giving, uh, give, uh, being full of grace and truth in a context where it's about the, uh, the, 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 the identity of Jesus? That's, that's what kind of that hit my mind. And, and, and what John is trying to, to show us is this. Last week, we talked about external factors and internal factors. Y'all remember that? We said external factors are things that are outside of us that, in a sense, impact our perception of God. If you grew up in an oppressive nation, or maybe, you know, you were in a household where there was a, a lot of abuse that took place, 
your image of God is impacted by those external factors. Has nothing to do with what's going on inside you, everything that has to do with what's going on around you. Your shared culture, your history, all those things are external factors. Then we talked about the internal factors, right? Every one of us, born in sin, born in a fallen nature. So that's the internal fact. That's the internal factors. Well, here's the thing. Gentiles were cut off from God, period, right? Gentiles, in a sense, did not have uh, the privilege of knowing who God is in an intimate way. However, the Jews were different. They had what you call the law. And the law helped them or allowed them to relate to God in a certain way. However, the law has limitations. The law itself was not a limitation. The problem was the Jews. Their internal factor came into play as a response to the law that they received. Therefore, how they understood God or how they perceived God, even though they had this special revelation that the Gentiles didn't have, was, was deeply impacted because of the sin that they had in their heart. So the law has limitations as far as for the Jewish people being able to see God in, the, in, a, in a way that was intimate, in a way that was honest, in a way that was truth or in a way that was, was, that was not conditioned upon their imperfections. Amen? So, the law has limitations. The law was ineffective in giving the Israelites the full revelation of the Father, but John lets us know that Yahweh is gracious and that in his graciousness, he offers us something better. He sends his only begotten son, the one who was full of grace and the one who was full of truth, the one who knows the father and is the exact representation of the father. Basically, the son gets suited in human flesh and and with that, he sits with us. In our darkness, he sits with us. He talks with us even while we were in sin and even while we were in bondage, he was with us so that we can get a clear picture of who God is. We can get a clear picture of the God who created the heavens and the earth to share with us his life. But it gets better. You say, it can't get any better than that. It gets better. <laughs> we talked about the authority that sin and death had over us, but Christ, the Word incarnate, the Word who became flesh, removed sin's authority over us by giving us eternal life. Remember that? And we said that the life that comes, only comes from God as a result of us having eternal life, Jesus now gives us a new authority. That is the authority to become sons of God. So not only do we get a, 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 a status change in regards to our life, because now we receive, receive life from the Son, we also get a status change in regards to our identity and our relationship with the Father. And now we have this awesome privilege, not because of the law, not because of our assumptions, but we have this awesome privilege to know God in a way that we didn't get, have a chance to know God before. 
That is a beautiful thing. I, I don't know about you. I, I'm like, Pastor, I get goosebumps up here, you know. I'm just thinking about the fact that we have this awesome privilege that wasn't given to us, that, that, that we didn't earn, you know. I, I think about when I was growing up, you know. I didn't grow up in a super religious household. My mother would take us to church. My mother is here. Happy Mother's Day. She's looking royal back there. Uh, and she would take us to church, and we would bounce from one church to one church to another church. We weren't deeply rooted in faith. So based on that alone, there was no way that I would have had a great revelation of who God is just because of my circumstances. I was also one who fought a lot in high school. And uh, <laughs> y'all laughing. <laughs> This is how you cracking up. My mother had to go into my, uh, my, you know, when you go from one school to another, my mother had to go into the paperwork and pull out the suspension notices. <laughs> yeah, I, fifth grade, suspended once. Sixth grade, suspended twice. Seventh grade, suspended again. Eighth grade, suspended again. Ninth grade, suspended. 10th grade in school suspension. I was in this, I, I had suspension records. So if you ever think about your child and your child is not doing everything that you want your child to do, take, look at me as an example. You will, your child will turn out right. <laughs> your, your, your child will be all right. <laughs> so we have, we have the, ability or the rights to receive sonship regardless of our circumstances because of Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verses 24 to 27. Galatians chapter 3, 24 to 27. Shouts out to the media team, the projection team. They are on it today. They are doing a wonderful job. You know, the projection team is not our typical crew back there, so you got to show them a lot of love. Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 to 27, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, uh, therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you are all sons of God through what? Faith in Christ Jesus. I have a change in status. My, my identity is in Christ, and I, and I have a relationship with the Father. I am a son of God. The, the, same right, the same right to the Father that the Messiah has had has now been given to me. The same access to the Father that the Messiah has has now been extended to you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you have done in life. When you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the same access to the Father as the Son. I am no longer a child of wrath. I am no longer, I no longer have to subscribe to the slavery of fear. I am a child of God. Old things have passed. All things have become new. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 going to go to verses 9 and 11. This is the, the one passage that scares a lot of church people today because it's very controversial. 
but I am uh, empowered by this one preacher by the name of Bone Crusher who grew up here in Atlanta. And he said, I ain't never scared, so I ain't never scared. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be, see, be deceived, neither fornicators, how many of y'all were in that group? Yeah, all right, don't raise your hand. I get you, I get you. <laughs> Nor idolaters. How many of us was in that group? Uh-huh, this is where the church get real quiet. <laughs> nor, uh, nor adulterers. How many of us in that group? Okay, don't, okay. Nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. Okay, let's move along. Verse 10. Nor thieves, oh, I can relate to that group. <laughs> nor the covetous, nor the drunkards, you know, the ones who drank a little Mad Dog 2020 and want to start a fight in the club. <laughs> nor the revelers, yeah, they, they hang with the drunkards. That's why Paul put drunkards and revelers right next to each other. <laughs> nor the swindlers, Bernie Madoff's peoples. <laughs> will inherit the kingdom of God. But look at the good news, verse 11. Such were some of you. You had this status before. You were considered a drunkard before. You may have been a fornicator before. You may have been an adulterer before. You may have been a swindler before. You may have cheated on your taxes before. Yeah, yeah, Paul knows who you are. But he says, so were some of you but you were washed. In other words, you were received a new status. You were sanctified. You were justified. In whose name? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. Oh, let's talk about the Spirit of God. Let's talk about the Spirit of God. Because the, the awesome thing about being a child of God, about having this adoption of sonship, is it now connects you to the Spirit of God. Jesus didn't say, hey, you walk this walk alone. Oh, I got you. Let's talk about the Spirit of God. John chapter 14, verses 16, 16, uh, verse 16 to 19. John chapter 14, verses 16 to 19. Jesus not only connects us to the Father, but he acquaints us with the Holy Spirit. And I'll go ahead and read. I know you're looking for it. It says, I will ask of the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the Word world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him. Why? Because you got a status change. Because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, while in the world, while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you, uh, you will live also, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Why is it important that we talk about the Holy Spirit? The new right and authority to operate as the child of God is due to the indwelling presence 
of the Holy Spirit. We cannot talk about spiritual rebirth, renewal, and sanctification without, without mentioning the Holy Spirit. For the mothers in the building, happy Mother's Day again, this should get you excited because the Holy Spirit is like a mother. He takes on the responsibility of preparing and grooming us towards maturity in our sonship. The one thing we can always appreciate about mothers is that when we are our children, we can rely on our mothers for a lot of things, right? Even sometimes when it's difficult, when we have difficult times speaking to our own fathers, our mothers come into play. Oh, can some of y'all, can some of y'all relate? You had experiences where, you know, you had a, a challenge speaking with your father on various issues. You may have been scared of your father, but then your mother steps in and she says, go talk to your father. Your mother, and many times, are probably smoothing things out with your father. So by the time you speak to your father, things are A-OK. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit shows us the awesome, God-honoring responsibility of motherhood. If you want to know how important a mother is to the family, look no further than the Holy Spirit, who in many ways functions like a mother to us. Now, I'm not saying go out and start praying God our mother. You know, I'm not going on that trip. <laughs> but I'm saying that there is biblical precedence for motherhood because it flows from the Holy Spirit. What am I hoping to convey to you is that by being a mother, it highlights and demonstrates an aspect of who God is. It's just as, as it's, just, it's the same type of equality when you see the Father, how the Father is a Father to us, also that God, through His Holy Spirit, presents Himself as a mother to us. Amen? When God created women, he gave women strengths and abilities the, that men innately do not have. But complementary to men to help reflect back to God the overall picture of his image. So Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper. In, in John chapter 14, verse 16, the word used there in the Greek is the one, it, it, it speaks of the one who was called alongside. Just like when in the natural, we call on mommy when we experience difficult, difficult moments and we just need someone who, can, who we can talk to without facing judgment, the Holy Spirit comes alongside. That's one of the benefits of sonship is that we have the Holy Spirit that we can talk to. There are times when, when you know, when you may be talking to yourself and you think you're talking to yourself. And as a child of God, you feel that no one is listening, but the Holy Spirit is listening and he provides comfort. This is the benefits of sonship. You are not distant from God. You are close. The Holy Spirit constantly reminds us who we are in God. This is part of the package. This is something that, that you, you know, you get excited about. Difficult times, you can depend on the Holy Spirit. He's listening. He's willing to intercede on your behalf. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. Give me Romans chapter 8, verses 14 to 16. Paul says this, 
For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Mm. Your father may have passed away, but he did not leave you fatherless. The Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, you have a, a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Some of us may have had difficulties with our fathers. We don't communicate with our fathers, but guess what? You are still not fatherless. The Holy Spirit connects you with the Heavenly Father. You have a relationship with the triune God. You can communicate to the Father through His Spirit in His Son. That's the benefits of sonship. You have a relationship with God that, that far supersedes any other relationship that you have. Don't care whether you've been in those dark places, the Holy Spirit is present. Don't care whether you're going through challenges, the Holy Spirit is present. Don't care how much you have been a failure or you see yourself being a failure in life, the Holy Spirit is present. Why? His main job is to grow you and mature you in sonship. His main job is to connect you to the Father. That's all the Holy Spirit wants to do. He just wants to connect you to the Father. He wants to show you who the Father truly is like. He, the Holy Spirit is walking with you, present with you, coming alongside of you as if Jesus Christ was still here in the physical flesh on earth. You are not without hope. You have hope in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let us pray. Father God, we just want to thank you. Thank you, Father God, that you have not, that you have not left us abandoned, that, that you understood the situations that we would be in when we have come to faith in Christ Jesus, and that you have given us the awesome privilege of sonship through Christ Jesus by which we now have your Holy Spirit present with us, walking with us, talking with us, being with us. Despite the challenges that we may face in life, you are ever-present. And we thank you and we appreciate you. And Father God, we just pray in the name of Jesus that for those that are here who may be having, having one challenge or another, don't know how to do what you have called them to do, we pray, Father God, that in the name of Jesus that they will be reacquainted with you through the Holy Spirit and that they will understand that through the Holy Spirit that they are able to do mighty, mighty, mighty exploits. Father God, for the mothers that are here who are seeking worth, who, who, who may be having one challenge or another with child raising or whatever the issues may be, Father God, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit is the one who shows us the way and that shows them the way and gives them what is needed to fulfill that God-given mission that you have assigned them to. 
Father God, we also thank you for, and we also pray for the, for the mothers that are here that may not have children of their own. Father God, may your Holy Spirit comfort them in times where they may be experiencing doubt. But Father God, and through your Holy Spirit, let them be connected with children that don't have mothers so that there is a continuation of your blessing that flows from your Spirit through them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Amen.